Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the sideboard. Wait, the sideboard? What the heck? Do commander decks even have sideboards? What happened to the command zone? Guys? Guys? Purple rain! Purple rain! Never meant to cause you any trouble! Purple rain! Purple rain! That's amazing. Another uh, another man has passed. What? I, I think Frank is the God, first guest that's ever it. joined in. Oh yeah, song. that's actually a really good point. Frank, you, you came in on cue, by the way. That was, that well, was sick. Dude, Prince is the man, bro. <laughs> Prince is the man. Will always be the man. How's it going, everybody? Yeah. You're listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we are joined by the one, the only, Frank Lepore, all the way from Seattle, Washington. Hey, Frank. Well, you make it sound like I'm, I'm, I've come to you. <laughs> yeah, Frank flew over to record on the podcast today. I am there all the way from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to start a, a triplet. Is that what you'd call a group? I never of meant people? to cause you any pain. <laughs> yeah, he should be a solo. He's way better than us. Yeah, yeah, it's we'll true. be backup singers for Frank. This is my first Prince Rodeo, guys. <laughs> oh, ooh, this is excellent. I hope it's not your last either, Frank. It in, will never be my last. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have a very special episode. We're not talking Commander, but we are talking Draft. It's a sideboard episode. We're talking Shadows over Innistrad. I am super excited. It's funny because I actually mentioned to someone, oh, I'm going to be on the Command Zone podcast. And they were like, what are you guys going to talk about? And I was like, oh, probably draft. And they were like, <laughs> oh, that's that seems not normal. That seems, are you sure you're going on the Command Zone podcast? <laughs> Did you get it confused with something else, perhaps? <laughs> we Limited actually, resources, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> we actually asked a few episodes ago if our listeners were interested in this. And we got a lot of positive response, a lot of people saying that they were so we have done a sideboard episode once before about draft. Everybody knows Jimmy and I love draft. We do it a lot. So we're excited to talk about it. We're excited to have Frank on. Frank, I think you're the first professional Magic player that we've had on. I guess Gavin was, but he wasn't at the time we were speaking to. That's a very good point. Him. So Frank, this is another first. A lot of firsts. Guys, I'm really, I'm really glad I could be the one to... Pop your first professional magic player cherry on here. <laughs> it's, it's nice of you. Speaking of other firsts, you actually participated in your first ever pro tour and you made the top eight at it, which was awesome. It was for Oath of the Gatewatch. Uh, so congrats to you on that as well, Frank. You are Thanks, you are having a hell of a year so far. And it's it's definitely I definitely can't disagree with you. 
And yeah, capping I mean, it off with coming on the command zone. Yeah, clearly. top eight at a PT <laughs> is second only to guesting on our like, show. Yeah, right, right. But now I've gotten both of them, so I don't even see what else there is to do. Really? You could just retire. I think I just, <laughs> yeah, I think I just quit magic and live in the hills as some sort of hermit after this. <laughs> hermit of the Nether. And then people, people will be like, I'll be the stuff of legends afterward. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to him? I hear he lives in the woods now. Yeah. Frank, Frank. He lives in a place called Natter Knowles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's me. That's the artist. That's me. Yeah. That is you. Actually, Frank, you, you look like Audric. I'm not going to lie. It is That's you. What, you know, I, I get that a lot. Actually, I actually signed a few Audrics at Grand Prix Albuquerque. <laughs> no way. That's it fantastic. Awesome. Um, you so, should carry around like little cutouts of your face from a photo and then just stick them on when people ask you yes, like, over the face. That's a great idea. Pow. Yeah. I or thought you were going to say maybe? sword and I was like, mm, I don't know if that's realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, among other things, Frank, you're also a writer for Channel Fireball, Newmont Gaming, MTG Card Market. You are very prolific and on the scene as a professional and uh, before you listeners ask, yes, we know there's been a lot of recent controversial changes to the Platinum program for pros, the payouts for pros, and we are going to talk about that, but it's going to be at the end of the show because we don't want to hijack the discussion on Shadows over Innistrado. All right. Ooh, should we just dive right in? Innistrado, yeah, Innistrado, it's the, uh, yeah. It's the Hispanic version it's of Shadows the, over Innistrado. The, I was going to say Italian Innistrado. So. Oh, that's, yeah, that too, that too. It's, you know, whatever. It's whatever. the Latin version. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just jump right in. I'm excited to talk about this. This set is a ton going on. There's like the build around me on commons. There's lots of them. There's a lot of crazy mechanics like madness. There's dual face cards. Um, yeah. It's pretty complicated. It can be tough to navigate. Very complicated. Agreed. Um, so I guess before we jump in, the question we should ask is how, how many drafts has everybody done? How are they doing? Frank, how have, have you done a lot of drafts? How many would you say you've done? How have you been doing? Um, I think since magic online has, uh, had draft uh, shadows of Renestrad available, I think I've done probably only like 20 in total right now. Only 20. He not, says this is a pro. That's a- why 20 <laughs> is a lot. Right, right, right. That's probably a lot for like your regular person. But like, for me, like, I feel like. That's not that many. Mm-hmm. Have been doing well. I feel like I've been doing well. So yes, you have been doing. <laughs> well. Yeah, I don't know how to elaborate on that. Actually, I was like, well, I, I, so at at Grand Prix Albuquerque, I went two one and three zero in my two drafts. Oh, very nice. Um, and I've been doing pretty well on Magic Online. So I don't think I've lost in the first round of any eight fours. Oh, that's good. So that's good. But but huh. I mean, yeah, it's like my I, my my experience is also pretty limited. So limited <laughs> well, all right that, that's it for that. the show folks Let's <laughs> all right take it easy yeah, off to night. the hills um i I'll think i've gone in about 12 to 15 maybe uh-huh. i did get the extra chance to draft it twice at the pre-pre-release uh in, oh, up right. in canada but we drafted with a six man pod and an eight man pod so it, w- it weren't full-on drafts but so i've had a little more experience uh by this time of a set coming out than i normally have and i've been doing you know mediocrely well yeah uh, there's been a lot of um sort of trying to read the table thanks to the double face cards being revealed to everyone and a lot of different sort of things going through my head i'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it all because i wasn't here for original Innistrad, and i've also died to a lot of two drop werewolves i think this format's pretty different than first Innistrad. yeah it, it seems that way i mean josh you've drafted both how, how have you been doing i didn't draft draft much of the original Innistrad though probably only a, a handful of times i've probably done about 20 drafts of this also um, I started out not so great, but lately I'd say the last like seven or eight, I've done pretty well. I think I've, oh nice. I think I probably won six of those. So I'm about to hit my stride, is what you're saying? 
Yeah, I hope so. All right. Um, yeah, drafting's kind of interesting like that. Like, you'll you'll actually do something, you'll do terribly at the beating, and then you'll actually, like, almost subconsciously start to pick up what is and isn't working. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Most, int- actually in your games and what's working against you, and you're like, oh, that card is very good. I'll, pl- I'll try that now. And yeah, it's just, you sort of, like, learn over time without even knowing it. Right? Yeah, I'd say that's a really good advice is, like, if you draft a couple of times and you're done poorly, like, I do this all the time, like you said, subconsciously, which is, like, then the next draft, I'll see a card and I'll be like, "That card kicked my butt." Yeah, I'm picking mm-hmm. that card. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try yeah. and make that card work like it did against me. And you do that a few times, and before you know it, you're drafting totally differently, and you're actually winning. Yeah, card evaluation definitely helps out when you get to play the cards more, and especially for a lot of the rares and uncommons in the set because they determine the power level so much. Is you don't, you just don't see them as often. So drafting more and playing against them is almost as important as drafting them yourselves and playing them. Agreed. Yeah, a lot of times, especially you can look at a card and you'll be like, "I don't know if that's any good," and then you play, you have it played against, you and you're like, eh, "That was pretty good." Yeah, pretty good. I feel like this set, maybe almost more than a, any other that I've drafted, has a disconnect between what I initially thought of of certain of a lot of the cards and where they ended up. Like a lot of cards, I thought that doesn't look very good. The the gap between where I think of them now, which is like, there's some cards that I thought were specifically bad. Yeah, and now I'm like, that card's the best common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, it's definitely true. This this set feels more like that than any other set that I've drafted, at least. Yeah, and for all I these... think it's because there's also a lot of build arounds too. Like, so yeah. you look at vessel of, and you're like, wow, five mana for two tokens, the white vessel, vessel of ephemera, uh-huh. I mm-hmm. believe. Yep. And you're like, oh, five mana for two tokens, but then you're like, oh, but it also fuels delirium. It gives you an enchantment, and like, and five, I get to pay it two, over you know, two, two turns. Yeah, and two tokens is actually fine in this format. So it's like it. It's different from other formats is the thing. Because you look at a card like Lingering Souls, and you're like, well, that's what I like, what I expect for my token investment. Right, <laughs> right, right. Actually, that's a really good point. It's really easy to compare cards uh, to other sets in a vacuum. Yes. And there's so many different things that happen in every single set. For instance, like a card that does one damage could be completely useless in a set, whereas in another set, there are tons of just one toughness creatures running around. So that right. card is the like bomb. Like Dual Shot, for yeah. example. Dual Shot's a great, great example. And the art on that is fantastico. I actually like that art, yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot too. Um, it's kind of matrixy. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly. kind of matrixy. Um, so we've heard from a lot of the high level players and the pros that, like, similar to, to Battle for Zendikar, that this set is really about drafting a deck and not just a pile of good cards. In fact, I feel like we've heard that a lot recently as sort of rhetoric about the sets. And I think taking out the core set and moving to like all quote unquote, uh, what do they call them, expert sets. Mm-hmm has sort of mm-hmm. pushed us in that direction. It's something we can expect like going forward to be the norm, which is... Yeah. You I know. think ever since Modern Masters 2, 2015, that has been the norm for draft, even with Origins a little bit. Um, just that it's much more synergy-based in general and that you want to find your lane and get in it and draft a real deck instead of just, a, oh, all these cards are playable. Which is awesome, because to me, that's the most fun way to draft. It makes it more like cube. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, Frank? Any anytime you can have a draft format that feels more like cube is uh, is hundred percent okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a lot of cubing up in Seattle, right? Yeah. Well, I, I wish there were more. Let's put it that way. <laughs> there could always be more. Cube. Um, there can always be more cubing, but it's there's a lot of unique enchantments in this set that kind of feel like like very very heavy role players in your deck. Mm-hmm. You know, like you get a card like Elvenwald Mysteries, and I'm like, this is a very strong card. Like this is a card that like makes tokens lets you draw cards and all you, you don't have to do anything you just let your guys die like mm-hmm. that's all mm-hmm. yeah you know cards that the, it sort of reminds me of what the get rug monster is which is everything you need to know about the card is on the card it it gives you all the parts to it and then yes. there's even more to of course 
like the the complexities here because you have so many different things with madness and delirium and just great synergies within the mechanics itself i always call those these, these like the secondary mechanics with cards the cards that it's like what's the flavor of this set we have madness and delirium and uh whatever else and it's nice when they're able to actually play with each other yeah and also like when you look at gitrog monster you're like oh i have to i can draw cards if lands go to the ground but how do i do that oh it does it for me <laughs> yeah perfect so, yeah, you, it's very, <laughs> that card yeah it's is, a good point we said it was all self-contained that card is very good at draft yeah yeah, I've had it a couple of times. And, and constructed, I think. Yeah. I think he's already constructed, too. Yeah, if by constructed you mean well, commander, then it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, commander players freaked out when that card got spoiled. <laughs> that card's very, and it's legend. Oh, it can be your it can be your yes, commander. That's true, yes, I forgot yeah. all about that. It's ridiculous. Um, okay, well, we're, let's run down the archetypes really quick. I think that we're going to be talking a lot about, like, within the constraints of each archetype, so it'll be nice to run them down. We'll just run them down really fast. We're going to talk more specifically, but just so that everybody's on the same page about what archetypes there are. So there's a red-green archetype. It's werewolves. There's a green-white archetype. It's humans. Although this one gets a little dicey. I think you can do delirium too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Green-blue investigate or clues deck. There's a black-red vampire slash madness deck. I love this deck. There's a black-blue zombies deck. Although the zombie, I would say, in the black-blue is... I don't know if the, if the tribal dial is moving for vampires, it's at like a seven or eight. And for zombies, it's at like a four and a half or a five. Yeah. It feels like the zombie synergy is not like it's not taking over that whole color combination. Um, Black, white. This is an interesting one, Frank. We were just talking about it because this one's hard to suss out. It's just black, yeah, we, white removal. Yeah. <laughs> It's basically, yeah, it's basically, just, I even described it, like, someone asked me, like, what was your, how were your decks on day two? And I was like, oh, one of them was black-white, and they were like, black-white black, black, what? And I was like, I guess aggro mid-range? I don't even know. <laughs> I had creatures and removal spells, and I won my games, and that's how it ended. Yeah, it's interesting, because there is a couple of, I, I want to talk about the enchantment that goes with black-white as well in a bit. But. Yeah, we were talking about that uh, off-air, just trying to figure out okay well what does black white want to do what do we call it when we go through this section of the podcast and we sort of thought maybe it's like go wide tokens maybe yeah anyway um so that's black white it's close as any i think yeah yeah uh there's white blue tempo slash flyers there's white red aggro sort of i think equipment is a sub theme of red white i mean it obviously can go in other places but mm-hmm. um and then red blue spells which by spells in this case we mean instants and sorceries and those decks are pretty interesting we saw a lot at the pro tour of people going with like six creatures yeah which is yeah, crazy yeah. and like one is a pyre hound and it's like oh i'll attack you with my nine ten pyre hound. yeah that's, like, <laughs> that's pretty big. it has trample by the way it's like oh god how that's awkward <laughs> uh, this thing is uh, this thing got how did we get here yeah <laughs> frank uh. How important do you find just identifying the archetypes uh, to be in a set like this? I think it's actually more difficult than uh, it seems just because uh, in the drafts I've done, it's hard to do that because you can think you're in one archetype and then none of the cards get passed to you. And so you're like, well, I guess I got to switch. What else can this like? Oh, I got a bunch of good white cards. What else can this white deck be? Uh You know, and so you have to like, actually, it requires you to read the signals because the decks are so focused. Right. Because it's not like in other formats where like, okay, I can just put together a bunch of good blue cards and a bunch of good red cards and I have a deck. You really want to focus on like a strategy. 
And if it doesn't come together, it's kind of rough. Have you found that you've audibled more often than not? Because usually you can see, I mean, the latest I think that you can really change out of a color is like pick seven. But I've seen some people drafting on Twitch that audible straight up in pack two and still end up with a workable deck. Yeah, there are a lot of playables, actually, uh, funny enough. Um, so I did a draft this week, actually, on on uh, Channel Fireball. <laughs> and uh, we'll link to it. I watched we, that I, draft. So I tried to go like red green, I think, mm-hmm. and no, no red was coming. Tragedy. And so I'm like, I guess I'll go green white. And the red was, or the white, the white was plentiful. So yeah, I ended up with a pretty decent deck. I went three zero. And then in the comments, one of the first comments was people. Someone was like, uh, "This was a weird draft. It seems like none of the picks were well thought out." And I was like, I, <laughs> "Every pick I, was well I, thought I, out." <laughs> yeah, I feel like I literally I, I I read the signals. I changed colors. Like I feel like I did everything I should have done in a draft and ended up going three zero. And like. He's still like I I can't win, you know. <laughs> Even true. when you, you win, can you never can't win. win. You Even never when win. you do win three matches in a row, you still can't win. Apparently, <laughs> something to circle back to something you were saying earlier because we talked about this in the Battle for Zendikar sideboard episode about drafting archetypes and sort of identifying there's like pivot cards, mm-hmm. and so instead of taking cards that are like only good in one, like there's certain green cards that are really only good if you're blue green, right? And so yeah, it, oh definitely. And so instead of taking that card first pick, maybe you take a card like Rabid Bite that's just good in any green deck. Right. And so, and and that's sort of like how we talked about it before, which is a good way to leave yourself open to like any archetype that touches green is to just be careful about really early committing to the really archetype specific cards and yeah. going for more sort of pivot cards as we called them. Yeah, cards with flexibility definitely are incredibly yeah, strong. Agreed. Um, now, Frank, have you identified what you found to be the strongest and weakest colors of this set? I'm immensely uh, uh, fond of green-red, like Werewolf deck. Mm-hmm. But I'm not... I think blue is the worst color. I think it's largely not very good. It doesn't have a lot of big threats. It has a lot of tiny guys. Um, the removal is not... Gr- I mean, it's blue, so you're not expecting great removal, but like even as, even as even for blue, it's not great. Right. The uh the sort of the go to sleep enchantment that is there for every blue sleep paralysis. Yeah, is four mana and it's a big set, so you're not even gonna see that that often. That card's gone down right. and down for me. I think a big reason also is you've got stuff like Veteran Kassar and Duskwatch Recruiter and a whole bunch of things basically that have activated abilities and like tapping it down doesn't stop the thing that I need to stop, you know, because that's not what my problem is. I mean yeah. it's great if they've got like a five six, but there's a whole bunch of like you know, like a creature with an activated ability. There's a lot of them. You know? Toppelgeist, uh, Tooth Collector. Yeah. Uh, what's that? That two drop green guy that puts a one one counter if you've got Delirium. Like it doesn't stop oh, any scanner. of that. Obsessive the, Skinner. Yeah, there's yeah. tons of stuff where it's like, well, uh, Sleep Paralysis doesn't do anything against my problem. <laughs> like it just doesn't stop that. You know, what's the uh, the flyer, the white flyer that creates spirits and gives you life when a spirit comes into play? Like, oh god, that guy's insane. Drug Drug skull. Skull Cavalry. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep Paralysis yeah. does crap against Seven that guy. Drop. Yeah. yeah, so that's all tapping down. Yeah. yeah oh, sure. Okay, I'll make two guys gain four. Go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's asleep. How does that even happen? Yeah. So, <laughs> what? What are you waking up? <laughs> so it's funny because sleep paralysis. That was like to my point earlier. That was one of the cards I'd say was the front runner for like best blue common when I first looked at the set. It's right. just like oh, unconditional removal. That's going to be awesome. And now I'd say it's at least the third or fourth best blue common. Yeah. You know, in my mind anyway. 
Yeah, um, and, and that goes to the point earlier I made, which is that that card sleep paralysis could be great in another format. Yeah, it's just going to be awful here because there's so many creatures that. I mean, I don't think it's do awful. So I don't think it's awful. I think you still play it. Yeah, but I think it's just not a super high pick. And and to uh, Frank's point of thinking blue is the the weakest color, that maybe is one of the reasons why because that card that really should be really good is not as good, and that could bring the whole color down a little bit. I actually. In in my own rankings, I have blue second to last. I have black as last. Really? But I do have oh, gr- how, I do how have green you. first. Yeah, how dare you, Josh? Oh yeah, green is insanely strong. Green yeah. is. I did another. I mean, I hate to keep plugging myself. No, I did another <laughs> article. Uh, but it was like my. It was like the top eight most defining uncommons in uh, Shadows of Rinnistrad, and it wasn't like the best. You know, I didn't have like the best cards. It was just like these are the cards that make the most difference in individual games and like cards you want to kind of build around and like. Mm-hmm. Seven of them were green. Out of eight, <laughs> oh my you know? goodness! Well, one, one of them was, one was like ongoing, ongoing investigation. investigation. Yeah. 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 Oh, I read your stuff, Frank. And another one was Ulrich's. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the 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 give indestructible wolf, right? Yes. Yeah, which has a green activation. Cost. Yes. Right. So, that is intense. Yeah, I think green is just by far the deepest. We, we did a little like pro tour style um, like draft camp on release weekend with our play group. Jimmy unfortunately was at a wedding, so he couldn't be there, but. We but did- I am married now, so yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm not married. Somebody else is waiting. Um, so we did like five drafts that day, and we'd only play two rounds just so we could get more actual drafts in. But at the end of each one, everybody would we had a big dry erase board, and everybody was writing their notes for what they drafted, what they thought about it, what cards overperformed, blah, blah, blah. So at the end like of the that. day, we had this big like dry erase board with just a bunch of notes about everybody's archetypes and how they did. And also... At the end of every draft, we would just flip over and just look at what everybody had drafted in. And consistently, like almost every time, four out of the eight players were in green. Yeah, and I think the big thing about green is that it has just really good regular vanilla creatures. Not even vanilla, like Byway Courier is one of the best creatures you can just hope to see. And it's a common and you get, you know, there's just so much additional value in all the creatures. And in general, it's also the most flexible, I think, to go into different colors because a card like Halpack Resurgence was just an incredible card in the Werewolf deck. No one else is going to want it. I got it. three of those what? at the Grand Prix. Three? Oh my God. In my second draft, yeah, yeah. Were you, I was like... Were you in red green too? I was. Oh my goodness. So here's what happened. I took the uh, the 3-2 the rare Werewolf, the Geist of... Or uh, Geyer Reach. Geyer Reach Bandit, I think. Is that the, the red one? The red one that's a 3-2. It has haste. Yeah, Geyer uh, Reach it's Bandit. It's flippability. It's flippability is, you know, the guys, your your werewolves can transform automatically, basically. Yeah. Yes. So I first picked that. My opponent saw that I opened that and not my opponent, but the guy I was passing to on my left saw that I opened that card and a Duskwatch Bandit or Duskwatch um, Recruiter. I don't know. The, I don't know the card names yet. Is Dust that Watch the Recruiter? one that draws you cards? Yeah, Duskwatch Recruiter. Yes. So when he saw I took the red card, he took a green werewolf and then was planning on taking the Duskwatch Recruiter. Once I saw him do that, I was like, oh, no, you're not going to watch what I take and then pick this guy. And then I started <laughs> cutting him from green cards. <laughs> and he knew it, so, too, which is great. Yeah, right, right, right. So, like, and then I, like, once I got the third Hal pack, I was like, I can't even play three of these. But I'm, I took it. But I'm like, I can't play three. That's too many. <laughs> yeah, that is. That's probably one too many, right? You ended up playing two. That was the draft I won. So <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, a card like that, like you don't very often also see cards that say flash on them in in you know limited formats. And green just has a bunch. <laughs> it's got the, the wolf, well, the dire pack wolf, and it's yeah, it's absurd how many good cards are in green. Yeah, it's fun- I agree. It's funny because you know the reason I think black is uh, for me the the weakest is that. 
I don't usually judge the color by itself. It's more in the pairings. And to me, the only black pairing that I really like is green black. Mm-hmm. I know you like really? red black. I don't really yeah, like red, red black is very good too. I think I don't like it that much because it feels really fragile to me. Right. Josh, um, did you ever, um, have you ever considered that you're just a hater? It could be, it could be, it could be. <laughs> okay. Usually okay. I hate red though. Uh, whereas Jimmy loves red. I, I also don't like red that much. <laughs> what? I mean, I understand why you value town. My tastes people. are different in, in limited though. You know, like, oh, I don't really? play red and constructed necessarily, but in limited formats, I'm just like, well, I got good red cards, so I'll play them. You know, it's different. It's like a different microcosm. Right, right. I found that red has also had a pretty bad streak in the past. I don't know half year of sets. It's, they're, I mean, they're good. So is, they're good here. I, I yeah. think. I think red is. I have them third, but I think they're solid. And I don't think the gap between any of the colors, except green, seems to be a little bit of more gap between the the other four. Like oh, I yeah. would still play bl- black. Um. But I, I, that's the reason I don't like it as much. I don't think individually as a color. I just don't like many of the pairings. Like the zombie deck doesn't feel like a really great deck to me. Um, mm-hmm. And and I the, can see that. I can see what you're saying about that. Yeah, and the madness deck. Let's talk about the madness deck. So the vampire madness deck, which is black red, and I know Jimmy, you wanted to chat about it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I've, I've, I feel like I've drafted yeah. good versions of it, mm-hmm. like incorrigible youths and um, era falconraths. And era falconrath is a uh, two drop. One in a black, it's a 2-1. You discard a card to transform it, and when it transforms, it's a 3-2 flyer. So what you do is, on turn two, you play it. On turn three, you discard like an Incorrigible Youths, if you're really lucky, which you can then Madness out for two and a red, and that's a 4-3 with haste. And if you're not lucky, you do the Blood Mad Vampire, which is a 4-1, which is still fine because you're flipping your Heir to Falconroth for free, yeah. and it's a 3-2 flyer that's attacking on turn three. Those are great starts, but I feel like just as many of those starts that I have, I have the starts where I don't get the air to Falconrath, and now I'm just playing my Blood Mad Vampire for three, and it's a three mana four one, and it kind of sucks. And then I'm playing the what's the three five in black that costs five, but only Twins of Mara Estates. If you get that on turn yes. three, it's great. But if you get it on turn five, Man, the, way you, eh. the way you rattled that off, it made me feel like you were just waiting to say that card this entire podcast. I love the twins. <laughs> I've been waiting since the beginning. Twins, twins, let's go. Anyway. Um, that, so, so my feeling is just waiting like, for this moment <laughs> to both of us. <laughs> it just feels fragile to me. And I guess all aggro decks are fragile, right? Where if you draw your card sort of right. out of order, then it doesn't yeah, do the thing. Agreed. But then it's two levels of um, fragile. Cause there's one level of like, yeah, it's still an aggro deck and I still have to draw my low drops when I need them. Mm-hmm. And, but it also needs madness. And so I also specifically have to draw my discard outlets at the right time in the right order. That's, that's right. why I'm and maybe I'm just not good at drafting the deck, but I feel like I've had that deck and all the cards that I look at and people have, and those they say those decks are good, and I've just felt like, I don't know, so nervous the whole time. Like, yeah, maybe I won some games, but... The other thing about Red is that it, literally all their creatures have, like, one and two toughness. Yeah. So you're like, a lot of times you play that stupid 4-1 vampire, and you're like, oh, you got a 1-1? Hey. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't have tramp? Oh, darn it. Yeah. Wow, this is awkward. The interesting thing about Red Black is that it wants to be incredibly aggressive if you draft it that way but at the same time you sometimes need to because of madness do some weird sequencing of cards and i think it's actually a very hard deck to play because sometimes you'll have a card that you want to discard on uh turn two that has madness but you're not going to have that extra one red mana to cast it so a card like um uh the burn spell uh fire fiery temper oh fire temper so you can madness that that out for one red and sometimes you just can't do it so you have to actually take a turn off to make sure that your man is right to do the sequence that you want so it's really interesting because well but aggro deck doesn't want to take turns off right so that's what's so tough right but but red does have some of the best removal i think 
in Reduced to Ashes. Fire Temper, Light Yeah, and like Rush of Adrenaline is great. Senseless Rage is great as well. It can, Red has that ability to sort of just get you, which I really like uh, in this set. But it is also like like we've said, it's it's hard to play and it's hard to sequence correctly. So very often if you're not doing it right or just drawing correctly, you're going to fall flat in your face and then your 5-2 is going to be facing down to 6-6. Six, six, and what are you going to do? I sort of you're think just going to scoop them up. Yeah, the big up. question I had, and I, I, I feel like I found the answer, but when drafting this deck is there's this push and pull between madness enablers and then cards that actually say madness. And, you know, early on, I was really having trouble. Like, do I take the card that allows me to discard cards or do I take the card that wants to be discarded? And that was a hard thing. And yeah. I've, I've come down really on the side of you take the cards that allow you to discard cards and the madness cards you you try and pick up later because if you get an arrow of falcon wrath and you don't have a madness card in your hand you're fine still fine you just discard a land you're good or just discard a creature that with a high casting cost or you don't flip it but if you get like one of the madness cards and no way to discard it a lot of times you're in just a horrible shape because it's the twins of mauer estate and it's just not a good card unless you can pay three for it very good point um, I feel like I, I keep wanting that card to have death touch. I keep feeling like the three five should have death touch. I'm like, this is like, it? Just a three five? I feel like every vampire should have death touch. Honestly, look at them. They have teeth that bite into your neck. They should be killing you. They should have. Or they should just turn touch. the creatures into vampires. Yeah, they undeath. Yeah, that's that's, that's actually a new keyword in the next set. Undeath touch. Undeath touch. Yeah. Nice. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Take notes, tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> so, um, Frank, have you been drafting primarily two color decks when you draft, or are you splashing to sort of get in that bomb or sort of? Yeah, I don't think I've had, I don't think I've splashed any third colors yet. Really, mm-hmm. ever? The two colors are n- never in my life. <laughs> no, I uh, for this. sealed. And no, even in sealed, I didn't. Yeah, no, it's just been two color decks mostly. If you get a couple of the lands and you just happen to have something good, I think it's fine. Um, but I just haven't had really felt a reason to like a lot of the, there's a lot of strong cards in this set that you can, I feel like I'll get to pack three a lot of times in drafts and I'll have 20 playables already. Yeah, that's, right. that's true that this set, there's just, there's very few cards that are just stone playable. We call yeah. that the two pack draft, yeah. which I'm a big fan of. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Cause someone, you mentioned watching someone and then they switched gears in pack two and still had a fine deck. And I think that's very possible just because there are so many playables. Yeah. yeah I feel like I do that a lot in, in general. Um, but definitely this set. I feel that's funny because I feel like I've started splashing more and that's why I was doing better is that in fact, my, the, the deck that I've sort of my second favorite that I've started draft more actually play that fork in the oh, road God. card, which I thought was just total crap. It's good for delirium. Uh, it's and, good for delirium. Yeah. yeah. And it allows you to splash. So what happens is you sort of get, it, you get two reasons to do it because I think if it's just delirium, it's maybe not as good, but if you're also using it to splash and then you just get to grab your random rares in pack two and three, Really, though, it just means that you are playing green, so you're probably in pretty good shape. Well, yeah. That's right, the, you're probably right. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. No, it's funny because you were like, when I started splashing, that's when I started doing all. I'm like, oh, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the guy was like, when I started adding more cards, like 42nd, 43rd card, that's when I started doing good. And you're like, well, oh, no, don't correlate those two. As all our, our listeners know, I just love playing all the colors. I'm like super greedy about colors in any me, format. Me too. You know, I found the five color deck in Oath of the Gatewatch, for God's sakes. And it's good, by the way. Yeah. The, the interesting, by the way, yeah. By the way, good. just in case you guys didn't know, <laughs> it's uh, not good in Battle for Zendikar, though. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing about this set, though, is that sometimes you're just going to come across a matchup where it's going to go to turn fifteen, and sometimes you'll come across a matchup where it's turn four, turn five, you're going to be dead if you're not careful. Um, which is tough to splash, and I think that's why splashing does get punished a little more. You have to really actually have that in mind. I think with your creatures, you have to have like that. If you're in green, you have to have the Watcher in the web. 
which is this four in the green two five that can block uh, that dude is insane can block eight creatures he if i you, mean like of course that's a flavor thing you got eight eyes you can block yeah. eight dudes you got yeah legs. eight legs yeah but like <laughs> it's such a good ability like oh you got three one one flyers no, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that nothing. card can single-handedly hold off like an entire team. Yeah, yeah. It's, and oh, if you have if you're playing red, none of your guys are getting through. Yeah, it's just like uh, oh, you, you can never one? alpha right, strike them. Five. Yeah, yeah. You have to burn the combat trick to basically get rid of it. Um, Frank. So red green is your favorite archetype. Do you think it's the best archetype? <sighs> we. I was, really, was going to be like. I was oh. going to be like, well, I think anything with green is a good archetype. It's <laughs> such a, a cop-out, right? I'll say that when we did our little uh, playgroup PT style test thing, red-green was what we had marked at that point as the, what we thought was the number one deck. And I think part of the reason is it's it's sort of easier to draft. Yeah, certainly. You know, you take werewolves, and then you take rabid bite and burn spells. That's right. That's what I was going to say. Like, not only is it is it easy to draft, but the, the cards are just very strong. You know? Yeah. And werewolves punish. Like if, if you're going turn two werewolf, turn three werewolf, turn four werewolf, like your the, the pressure's not on your opponent from the creatures, but also to you're, they have to keep playing spells. Yeah, that's a huge pressure, and you feel it when you're not playing werewolves, and somebody is. It's just like it makes you play in this really weird manner where it's like I my instants can't be instants anymore. Yeah, let's actually talk about that really quickly. Yes. A lot of the werewolves in this set uh, are two drops and three drops and four drops. That's very easy sentence to say but basically if no one casts a spell at the beginning of each upkeep that previous turn those werewolves flip so if on turn two you're on the play you play a werewolf you pass it back they play their second land and they don't play anything then all you of a sudden you, power. you yeah you have four power on the board often it's trample and you are in such a commanding position and you immediately put your opponent on the back foot for playing a two drop which is I, I've heard a common complaint about that too. Yeah, for them not playing a two drop. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, it finds ways to unbalance draft sometimes, where it's just you get punished for a bad draw in ways that you normally wouldn't. Uh, like sometimes it would just be like, okay, cool, I didn't play a two drop. I'll just take an extra two damage to this game than normal. But with werewolves, that can stack up incredibly quickly, and immediately yeah. just and one removal spell from the opponent from that point on means you are definitely on the back foot. It's funny because there's actually one werewolf who you kind of don't even want to flip, which is the tutu, the Deskwatch recruiter. Yeah, because right. you want to just draw cards. Yeah, I'm always like, oh, dang it, it flipped. <laughs> can, <laughs> you, can you play something? That'd be great. I really appreciate I've it. Play two things, please. I've literally not played something so that it would flip for my opponent because I wasn't scared of the flip side. I was yeah. scared of a lot of cards. Three, three is nothing. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm like, well, I'm just going to let it flip this turn. And then, you know, it's, it's like a... It's like a 4-3 like or a something? It's a 2-2 two, two survival. It's a 3-3, three, three, yeah. but it does let you play your creatures for cheaper. It's also another one of those cards like Get Rug, where everything you need to know about the card is on yeah. the card itself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Draw a bunch of creatures. Now cast them for cheaper. Hey. Well, they're like these self-contained engines, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's actually kind of elegant. Yeah, it's, it's really elegant. It's really cool. And I think it's really good for someone that wants to get into draft that never has because... A lot of times you can read cards and not understand where the synergies are coming from, but a lot of them in this set really speak to each other, and I think it makes it a lot easier to jump in on something like Shadows over Nistrad. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of complexity with stuff like Vessel of Nascency, or there's a whole bunch of cards that go the other way, too. So I don't know. There's a combination, I think. I, I did want to talk something else about werewolves with you, Frank, which is, you know, a lot of times... I could talk to them all day. You can speak werewolf. Whoa, that's how werewolves sound. <laughs> yeah, Jack, you... Jack speak werewolf. Okay. <laughs> um, I've noticed, and I, I wonder if you could speak to this because I don't know if I'm doing it 100 percent correctly, but I've really started to play differently because of the existence of werewolves. And so, what I mean is like not playing my 
I know. Yeah, I think yeah, Josh doesn't play when it's a full moon. Your one drops on turn <laughs> oh, one. Yeah, yeah, not playing my one drops on turn <laughs> one. Sometimes not even playing my two drop on turn two, depending on what their deck is and what my deck is. Like if I know I'm just not the aggressor in the matchup, I've held two drops just because I don't have a three and I know they're going to likely play convicted killer. And that's just going to be a pain. Yeah, you know, exactly. There's definitely a point where you got to look at your hand and be like, if he plays X drop on turn, you know, XX or X, Y or Z, do I have a card that I'm going to be able to play it uh, and respond to that with? Right, so I yeah. don't just automatically lose to a, a six seven Gat Staff arsonists or something ridiculous, Ugh. you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like that car, six five, I guess. Oh, it's only six five with menace. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. <laughs> that card's one of the hardest cards in the format to deal with. Actually, it's yeah. huge in the that format. That guy's huge. Actually, five toughness has been has been noted as the in, the important number when it comes to toughness because it's just very hard to get that amount of damage on a creature in a lot of instances. Your opponents will have to two for one themselves with removal spells or burn just to deal with your five toughness creatures. Yeah, I mean, there's only the solitary hunter that flips over into the five, six and the gas staff arsonist at the common level, right? Besides, there's that blue zombie that you can't attack unless... uh, What's that That blue, like, oh, six, the, six zombie? Oh, the, the snapper? Yeah. The, yeah the... I don't even know what it does because no one ever plays it, but I guess that's technically got more than five power. But I think those are the only three, right? I actually think that card's pretty playable. Is it? If you're in, if you're in a red-blue spell I think so, deck. too, actually. Cyber, Cyberland six, six snapper. Six, six is huge. Yeah, for six. It blocks no everything. Less. It blocks everything. Also, yeah. uh, more cr- necropod, I think it's called the black guy. That guy's really Oh, too. yeah, the menace seven seven. That, yeah, uh, like you, you have to you sac- sacrifice a lander, act. dude. Big deal. Yeah, yeah, if that's at the top of your curve, by the way, and you don't care about sacking a land to force them to try and block a seven. Yeah, seven they're menace. just dead in like three turns. Yeah, yeah. that thing's gonna end the game. Yeah, that 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 card is really good, actually. Okay, and there's that green guy. He's a six six and gets trampled if he's if you have delirium. So I totally this lied. It's getting longer and longer. Yeah, I totally lied. There's actually four cards. Hulking Devil. Let's not forget the vanilla four mana 5-2. Five 5-2. Two. Five two. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Nobody, nobody Re- plays that card. Real though. happy to drop that guy on the ground. <laughs> All right. So the point I was making, totally disregarded. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are creatures that deal with it, but in general, you're. I mean, two drops, I think, are the important. Uh, one, two, and three drops are the most important in this set, especially the two drop slot, just because you're constantly dealing with werewolves um and even if in green deck that doesn't need to have werewolf synergy can still play a hinterland logger and really just get you so you gotta be careful um it's also it's uh speaking to what we said earlier though about how there's cards that you can't evaluate properly like vessel of nascency is definitely one of them fork in the road like all these there's a lot of cards that you look at in this format and you're like oh i get one card from this base vessel of nascency and it costs like three man like it just doesn't seem it's not blowing me away yeah you know but then when you it literally almost turns on delirium by itself. Yeah. yeah. Just, just incredible. Like, so a lot of these cards, like you get used to them and there's kind of like this, Oh, I get it. Once you've played it a few times, then they get better and better. I yeah. mean, Vessel's nascency is the poster child for that because I did not think that card was that good. And then I, I think I played one in like one of my early drafts or I think Jimmy, you played one mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, maybe the card, at least it's not horrible. And now I'm like, I'll, I, I've taken it over rabbit bite. Oh my goodness! Interest. Whoa, let's. All right, let's... we need to talk to this guy, <laughs> Josh. I don't know hey, about taking over. Josh, rabid. this is actually an wait, intervention. Wait, How wait, many wait. rabbit bites did you have prior to no, taking I, it? Though I, I had zero. I had zero. Oh my well, God. I mean, I guess it depends on the deck, and it, I mean, honestly, here's the thing: it's just like Jimmy. Why are you making these excuses? For? <laughs> <laughs> We're trying Delirium. to help. Yeah, it's true. Delirium is important, though, and I I do realize that not having delirium and having cards that need it in your deck and not being able to sort of get there reliably yes. takes your deck from, if it was an eight out of 10, would drop it to a three out of 10. 
And Josh is like, well, I had three obsessive Skinners at the time. It's like, oh, well, okay. I think I had okay. first picked uh, Topolgeist and second picked obsessive Skinner. And so that was third pick uh, Vessel. But there was a rabbit bite. I, I hate it less after you saying that. You what? He I hate it less after you said yeah. that. Yeah. Just a little I, I disagree yeah, I'm less. just saying, right. like, there's never a point before I played the set that I would have ever thought that I would take a Vessel under any circumstance over rabbit bite. Right, right. I mean, that makes sense, especially if it's just like, well, removal or this thing i, I would consider <laughs> taking it in a vacuum over rabbit bite i'm not saying that i would always do it but i would consider it i think it's it's at least cl- way closer than i think it is or than i thought he looked at his deck and he's like well i got two one ones i'll take the, the yeah vessel. <laughs> <laughs> these one ones what do rabbit nothing. bite gonna do it's my topple guys will do one who's damage gonna, or something who's scared of getting bit by a ghost anyway <laughs> <laughs> they don't even have teeth um yeah i i am the more we talk about this set, the more I just want to draft it. I I find that I'm let's, I'm let's really just cut interested. the podcast short. <laughs> yeah, we could definitely do that. You guys just want to we'll, we'll stream it so you guys can hop on. Um, I really enjoy sets that like to reward players for enjoying sort of like making a themed tribal deck in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. as opposed to just drafting correctly. And it's great when Agreed. you feel like you're drafting something that's fun, and then the right card comes along where it's like Moonlight Haunt. I'm in a werewolf deck. Everything about this screams yes, yes, and yes. And it's not just like, I just want to take this to have fun. Like, for instance, uh, there is a enchantment. Triscadectophobia. Triscadectophobia. Actually, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, Frank, you finally uh, played it. I saw you tweet this. I did. How was your experience at winning against someone that had 13 life? I was at PAX, and uh, I went to PAX instead of going to the Pro Tour, for those who don't know. And uh, Pete Hines, who is the VP of Bethesda, he's a super cool guy. We were drafting after after the event on on Saturday. And I got a Triskaidekaphobia in my draft. And he's like, just play it. You're not on the Pro Tour right now. <laughs> Have some fun. <laughs> and I was like, well, all right. So if Pete Hines you asked you to play Triskaidekaphobia, you just do it. Yeah. Um, so I put it in my deck. And match one, I won the, the match winning game with it. Oh. And then match two, I won the match winning game with it. Oh. <laughs> and then match three, I literally won the match winning game with it. Holy wow. My opponent. Crap. I was about to, I literally almost lost to it. My opponent thought it was uh, gain or lose a life, then check for 13. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was, at, I was at 15, so he could have attacked me to 13. It would have checked, and then I would have lost. But he thought I could have gained one and been fine. But Triskaidekaphobia actually says each, each player. player with 13 life loses, then yeah. it adds or gains a life. Yep. He thought it was gains or adds life first and then check. So that pivotal difference uh, cost him the game because he didn't attack me. He left me at 15. And then I was able to swing our life totals around and kill him with just Gedekophobia. Oh my goodness. And it won it won three out of three matches. You had me, the so. exact opposite experience that I had with it. Really? When I had it, and I was like stoked. I'm like, yeah, I get to try this card, blah, blah, blah. And I played it. And t- twice in two different matches in the game deciding, uh, the game decider for that match, I had my opponent at 13 on their turn with Tristodexophobia out. And I... I drew in both matches. Oh gosh! Josh, you just both got to thirteen. You, in, one, in one, the guy top decked the uh, X burn spell, the rare X burn spell burn from within. Burned yeah. me for seven, so I was at thirteen. <laughs> so we oh, drew. <laughs> you can't call that oh, a boy. fair experience. With and then in the though. next in the next game, it was against our friend Vinny. He top decks. He had zero cards in hand. Top decks apothecary geist. Plays it. Gains three. Oh my god! Goes gosh. to sixteen. Pro- proceeds to attack me. Down to thirteen, so I have no choice to attack him. Down to thirteen on 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 the crackback. Oh no no, sorry, I forget how it worked. 
but somehow, you lost. somehow, no, no, I attacked him to thirteen. <laughs> I attacked him to thirteen. No, then he attacked me down to thirteen, and we oh, drew again. So I had two draws where I had my opponent at thirteen on their turn, and I was like, "Triska Decaphobia sucks." Here's the this thing: card's the worst. I think the card's actually really, really good, but you need to have your deck built slightly around it, and you also it makes a difference if you're on the player of the draw because being able to put someone on the back foot and choose whether they're going to block or not is way more important because this deck, this card could essentially read your opponent starts the game with seven life, I think. So funny, funny story. Kenji, uh, Kenji Gashira, Numat, Numat the Nummy, actually lost his winning in for top eight at Grand Prix Albuquerque because of Triska Decaphobia. Really? No way. Oh, such daggers. Uh, Kenji's always part, so it was, close. It was his Triska Decaphobia. Yeah, oh, I could no. see how that could happen. Oh. And the reason why was because his opponent had Westvale Abbey. So every time Kenji would get him to cl- you know close just to Triska Decaphobia... He just yeah. loses a life, yeah. Yep. Oof, that is it's, brutal. It's impossibly hard to... It's Once your opponent has like a card that can let you mitigate your life total at will, you're basically not in control anymore. Right. You're basically actually in the opposite position where they're kind of in Yeah, control. they have control, right. Because you can only go up or down one precise... Yeah, it, yes. I don't know. I'm, I, I was really high on that card, and now I'm just medium on it. I think it's fun. I, oh, it certainly is fun. I just don't think it's awesome like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I think this has my vote for the most ridiculous original magic card in like yeah. the past. It screws games up like crazy, years. though. You, you end up doing too. crazy stuff when it's out. Yeah. Yeah, you play completely differently. And so does your opponent. They just have to do like crazy stuff just to like do damage themselves if they can or just anything. Yeah. I think this card is best when you can play it and your opponent doesn't know what's in your deck. So they don't understand. I mean, you start, you do a weird swing. They're like, sure, I'll block here. Uh, Where's the combat trick? But no, it's yeah. just Tristic. It's just Tristic Decaphobia. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, okay. So I want to talk about my favorite archetype. I've won with it enough now that I'm comfortable talking about it on the show. Um, Blue White. I've just been having a ton. And this was when we did our little PT style thing, uh, playgroup test. This was the deck that I sort of came out with thinking like oh this is under the radar and it's super solid mm-hmm. um and it's also really good against what we thought was the best deck at the time and, and i think it's at least one of which is the werewolf stack and so that's something i always look for when i'm sort of trying to break down a, a limited environment which is like what are the best decks and then not that i'm gonna always try and draft those although i'll skew towards them if i can mm-hmm. but i want to make sure when i'm not in one of those decks that i'm drafting a deck that can beat what i think are the best decks because what you end up doing is if you win your first game then your likelihood of Playing one of the best decks just goes up and up because if you really think those are the best decks, you're going to run into that werewolf deck if you win. Right. Um, And so the blue-white tempo flyers deck, I've just had a whole ton of uh, success with. And mostly it's just playing that devil fox thing, the 3-1. Or even that the devil fox. What's it called? It's the devil thorn devil fox. Thorn fox. Yeah, it's just yeah. A, yeah. a three it's one. A, you old devil fox. You, you. devil fox. <laughs> For one in a white. Which is inexplicably not a wolf, but whatever. Um, it's a fox. And then there's that, that spirit. Even that spirit. That, that's that, that's that, so speciesist. Yeah. <laughs> I know, seriously. That two-two spirit that gets fly. Let's not talk about whether things were allies, because that was the whole debate of the last <laughs> of, of I would No, that made no sense. Yeah, no sense. It was just random. They just threw darts. And then <laughs> Josh is never gonna Josh is never gonna finish the story. It's totally derailed. <laughs> so let's talk about wolves, Josh. So it's all about that 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 frost links, the stitch mangler, the two three that yes comes into play tap and taps down the creature. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like I think that's actually the best blue common. It might be just the wind. Either one of those, you'll just always take for this deck. And mm-hmm. I've just had so many games where I just go two drop stitch mangler, hit you for three, 
play my four drop flyer, which is usually that the apothecary geist, or maybe it's even like drown yard explorers who cares. Silent observer is great. Yeah. Too. And then I just go just the wind, compelling deterrent, tap your guy with the press for answers or Jace's scrutiny. And it's like, I don't care how many of those watchers of the web that you have. You're dead now. Yeah. You're also investigating a bunch with those cards. So you're drawing th- from your clues. Jason, the, the give a creature's uh, negative four, negative zero and investigate. investigate. Yeah. The card is really good. Another card I thought was it's, just junk. It's blown me out like twice in the past week. And I'm like, stop it. Stop playing this stop, against me. Yeah. <laughs> when I was, when I was I'm watching, like having nightmares. When I was watching the PT, it was, I think it was Shota Yasuoka, or maybe it was like Yuya, or one of these really good players from Japan. There's so many of them um, that are just awesome, but was splashing for that card. Oh my gosh. Like, wow that's how good he, that's a bomb that's how good he thought it was yeah i mean the car was also awesome in lsv's uh, uh fevered visions deck uh which it's just you just need to buy time with the tempo deck and they're that's what probably why blue is the worst color otherwise is because these cards don't really fit into other what the other decks are trying to do but in the yeah that's very blue, true white, blue red decks it's awesome in the blue white deck you're it's all very clue based yeah, yeah in the blue white deck you're just not blocking you're attacking or they're just coming through. So even if you just use and you're racing all the time because you've got flyers. Mm-hmm. And so even if you just, uh, you know, just take four power away from the guy, you don't block and then you just uh, investigate it. A lot of times that'll swing a race. That's just a four point life swing. Yeah. Tenacity is like so good in this deck and not even to blow them out just to gain 12 or 13 life and put the race like totally in your favor. Yeah. And it allows you to tap out every single time. I've even played the really crappy version of tenacity that, uh, sorcery speed, give everyone plus two plus one. Oh my gosh. You played that card. I played one copy of it and it was really good. It would just steal wins. I would just have like, you know, three spirit tokens and a two, three flyer. And I just go, boom, hit you for, you know, ethereal four. guidance. This is the card yeah. that's printed in almost every single set. And I guess we finally yes. found the set is playable in. I mean, it's not great. And you'd way rather have tenacity. And I wouldn't even say always play it, but in that deck, you can play it. Yeah. Any deck, you know, another thing that I look for is any deck where it's going to want a card or a couple cards. They're just going to go late in a pack, but it will actually want those cards mm-hmm. because you get a playable card at a time when you should just be getting junk. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Frank, what is your thought on clues uh, in general? Do you think there are decks that will always benefit from them? Or sometimes you just don't have the mana in certain decks. I don't, I haven't seen a deck that doesn't have the mana. Like, I don't think there's that many decks in this format that are just like, crushing you by turn three or whatever you know like mm-hmm. um i think all decks have the potential to take it to the mid mid or late game and like just having that extra card is just pretty good yeah there's also like the, the green um the green pump spell confront the unknown where it's like you know you get plus x plus x whereas x is the number of clues or whatever right that card is good too i thought that card was yeah. junk anytime it's a combat even as that... a one one it's still fine yeah. yeah like there's so many times you're trading into equal size guys where it's like yeah. I think that's something, yeah, that's a really good point. That's something that wasn't clear was just that the difference in size between, you know, even two, three, and four drops is not that great. So a lot of times Mm -hmm. plus one, plus one, most of the time it's plenty. Yeah, just enough to trade or just enough to even swing it a little bit. And if you're in a dedicated clue deck, Confront the Unknown is absurd. So is Graph Mold, by the way. I think life gain is more pertinent in this format than it has ever been because there's just so many times when someone's just like all right well i guess we're turning this into a race and then you tenacity and gain 12. no there's no race when you have the graph mole in play yeah <laughs> graph mole is that un- was actually like my second of my top eight uncommons because like if you can have any sort of even if you just have like a mediocre clue deck 
six to nine life in one game is huge. It's un- yeah. it's unbeatable if Grafmol is out and they have a clue deck, even if it's only half a clue deck. It's not it's not beatable unless you kill that Grafmol. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's it's a, and it's a two four for three. Yeah, good enough. And That's like great. there's the uh, there's the white card called like Chaplain's Blessing, I think, and it's it's just gained five life for one mana. Yeah, uh-huh. and I'm like. There's this green card. You don't even have to invest any cards. You're yeah. just doing things that you'd normally do anyway. That's and you're drawing like cards. Infinite more life. Yeah. Yeah. If it's ev- just like they're not even comparable, you know? Yeah. If every single one of your clues said pay to draw a card, gain three life, that would be, that would be ridiculous. The greatest card in, in, in the limited set in a very, very long time. Yeah. One of my draws in the Grand Prix in Albuquerque was because my opponent had Graf Mole. He couldn't get through my guys. We had like a board stall because we were both playing... Uh, he was playing red, white, green, and I was playing blue, green. So we didn't have any like black spells mm-hmm. right. to like kill creatures. <laughs> and <laughs> so like he's up to like forty four life, and he's like, "Can you kill me?" And I'm like, "Nope." Can Can you kill me? And he's like, "Nope." <laughs> and so we end up drawing. You're like, "Listen, our decks can never kill each other." <laughs> yeah, there's no way. Like he had two cards in his deck at the end of the at the end of the round. Oh, the time even. Yeah. And I was like, so if we played a little faster, and you had to draw two more cards you'd be dead yeah you did because of all the card drawing you did with with clues um speaking yes. of speaking of that actually there's a card epitaph golem it's a five mana three five is actually good it's uh it's an artifact creature if you pay two mana you put target card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library and there are dedicated mill decks and there are decks that will just get you there eventually even if that's not what they're trying to do epitaph golem is almost a insta scoop against some of those decks if when when you play it and the person's yeah. like well i can't do anything to you anymore i can't, I, mill, I you can't mill you that's my plan i can't do it i'll, I'll tell you what when you're drafting a vessel of nascency over rabid bites that card's good even if you're not getting milled by them because you're milling yourself and what happens and i've had this a couple of times where i'm just tutoring every turn because i have no cards in my library and i'm just picking my best card in my graveyard and putting it on bef- before my turn yeah, and drawing he it. Just can't, he just can't get over the Vessel of Nascency. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> if you draw Angelic Purge every turn, you'll win that game. <laughs> you, you might. You might. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, and it's a pretty good, pretty good sorcery. Well, it's funny because every time I saw the Golem, I was like, why can't you? Why can't you put their cards under to like turn off Delirium? You know? Yeah. Right, oh, right, that would right. be sweet. I feel actually. like it's. I feel like it's begging you. Like every time I read it, I'm like, wait, you can't do that. That seems like the most obvious application. I think they wanted it to be like you work for Delirium and then you have it because they are very notably. I think there's yeah. one white card that messes with your opponent's graveyard, but that's it. They don't have like the Bajuka Bog type, you know, there's no exiling of graveyards and stuff. I think they wanted it to be like you work, you get Delirium and then you have it. Yeah. Congrats. You did it. Um, yeah. Cause I, I don't be like, finally got that one land in my graveyard. I right, put it on the bottom. Oh, no. Uh, no. Um, now quick question for you frank there are as we've stated in this so far mill is a viable strategy um what do you think is your favorite of all the off the beaten path sort of don't kill them with creature strategies uh in in shadows that you think is the most powerful oh that's a good question um uh, but rise from the tides counts as killing them with creatures. True, actually, rise from uh, we'll we'll count rise from the tides in this category because <laughs> it a, is yeah it is the spider spawning uh, of this this draft. Honestly, in my in my limited experience so far, <laughs> double entendre, <laughs> uh, it would probably be the Triska Decadphobia yeah. condition. That's yeah, it has one. to be your story with that is three matches in a row. It's I couldn't even believe it. And like actually, after the draft, I had Pete sign the card. I'm like, you need to sign this. <laughs> That's great. I'll keep, it, I'll keep it forever. Oh, the rubbins. So the fallout from Pete was, uh, you will always play that card. I now, see what right? you did there. Because <laughs> 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 there's a fallout reference. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, 
let's talk about some cards because we've we've talked about a bunch of cards that we thought were uh were, that were underrated basically or that we thought were bad and then they went up but are there cards that you thought were good and they've sort of gone down in your estimation oh i think there's definitely cards like that um i had humble the uh, brute marked down oh humble the as brute. a card that's gone down yeah i thought there's not a lot of targets for it yeah enough. yeah I've actually, I I usually stick it in the sideboard and side it in based on who I'm playing because I'd rather not draw five mana sorcery to kill a creature with with four greater and not. It's instant, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is instant, sorry, but just not have targets for it. It feels like there's there's definitely decks that have zero targets for it, and there's a lot of decks that have one or two targets, maybe, that you might not even see. Yeah. Yeah, you can play like the White Flyers deck and just never have a creature with four power. Yeah. Yeah, which is really tough because you. But that card looked awesome, right? It was Smite the Monstrous with Investigate. Yeah. I'm drawing yeah, again. I get to draw a card. I get to smite the monstrous and draw a card. But smite the monstrous was also a very different format, you know. Yeah, there was monsters. Yeah, there were. <laughs> yes, Eldrazi <right>. specifically. <laughs> yes, I got an eight eight. All right, kill that thing. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, oh, you got two one ones. Uh, All right, go. Yeah, uh, pass. Turn, pass. Pass. Uh, um, maybe I'll just play it to investigate. I had Farbog <laughs> Revenant put down because I thought the card. Not that it's bad. It's just I thought that card was. It looked really good. It's the one three with Skulk and Lifelink. I still think that card's great, honestly. I that just, card actually I think has only gone up for me. It's gone up. I think he's fine. I see. I thought it was going to be like a high pick, like, mm-hmm. and now it's like, eh. It seems like filler to me. I just find that he blocks a lot of relevant things with three toughness, uh, especially in the early stages of the game, and and it's in a weird way, it's a clock for your opponent because I've there have been games where I've gained six, seven life off this guy. And my opponent just had could do nothing about it, and I could let them swing. Also, in there's more a lot of good equipment in the format. Yes. Yeah, that's true. It would be really good with equipment, and I haven't tried that. Um, so if you put like Murderer's Axe on it, which is also a, a madness enabler, or if you put like a flipped heirloom, neglected uh, heirloom, well, oh put a flipped gosh. neglected yes. heirloom on anything. Yeah, the Ashmouth Blade. Oh, <laughs> that's God. like yeah, that well, if you insane. put a Umazawa's G- GTA on something, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> All right, fair point. Um, a card that's gone down for me is Explosive Apparatus. I thought this card would be better in general because I was looking around and saw a lot of creatures with two toughness. Turns and out it seems like it would turn on Delirium. Yeah, it turns out four mana for two damage. It does hit players, which sometimes <laughs> is relevant, but in general, it just hasn't been sort of where I wanted it to be. I don't think I've ever run one. Really. I'll main deck it occasionally. It depends. I just think I don't pick it high enough, and then they're just like somebody will grab it before. It's not like one of the last three cards in the pack, generally. Yeah. And that's probably where I'd take it. While we're talking, I'm going to look over the uh, comments and uncommons, see if I can find any real quick. Uh, You know, you know, one that's sadly no good is Second Harvest. Oh, yes. Our spoiler for the set. Our spoiler (laughs) card. Of course, they gave us a really good commander card. Oh, it's an absurd commander card. Awesome commander. But it's just don't draft that card. It's bad. Yeah, okay, so I've actually I actually found one pretty pretty quickly actually. All right. Um Biting Rain. It's the oh, set's yeah. like yeah. infest card. It's the negative. And this card two, you look at it and you're like, Yeah. And you're like, oh, this card's always good in all, all limited formats. But in this format, your creatures are never bigger than this. You just kill everything you have to. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's really <laughs> you know, hard it's... to it's really hard to build your deck so that you're safe from it. Yeah, and, and you don't also want to sit there and not play anything and let them just drop all their huge guys and be like, Biting Rain, right. gotcha, turn four. Yeah, it's not a format where you can afford to pass the turn and let them overextend. Mm-hmm. So it's got a real weird, t- this real weird tension, you know? Well, and because of werewolves, right? So you can't do that thing. Cause right, that's th- what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, that's why sweepers are generally good is because... The- they play a two drop, you play nothing. They play a three drop, you play nothing. They play a four drop, you go, ha, sweeper, three for one you. 
Yeah. It doesn't really and work. Now they're like, sweeper, uh, you guys are all bigger. Okay, go. Yeah, they're like, you didn't play anything, so my guys flipped over. Now they're all four fours. Oh, yes. Dope. Yeah. Um, another card that really has been unimpressive is Daring Sleuth, which is one in the blue for a 2 1. And it's a human. Uh, when you sacrifice a clue, you transform it to a 3 2 with prowess. And then when it does combat damage, you investigate. It dies to everything. Yeah, Nothing this, cannot block this thing. This card looks flashy because it just looks it says a lot of stuff right mm-hmm. it's like oh it flips over and then oh when i deal damage it feels like um it feels like a shadow mage infiltrator kind of and then it's like yeah it just never deals damage to them yeah they really just block does. it sadness um i would also say just in general the counter spells in blue are not that great um deny existence is all right but at the same time you just don't want to be playing that kind of deck i don't think like a card like Essence Flex also you would think would be really good. Like it's like, okay, cool, you can save a creature. There's tons of removal in here. And if it's a spirit, you get a plus one, plus one counter on it. If it's a flyer, you're just gonna keep hitting in. Just is never really that relevant. You'd rather be doing better yeah. things and playing creatures, honestly, than playing an instant. Because it doesn't do anything unless they're like trying to kill your guy. And like so if they don't try to do that, you're just sitting there holding it. You're like, all right, go. Yeah. Go. Deny existence, I I'll play one in that blue white deck. I don't want to, but yeah, I've played one a couple times, and it's been fine. It's interesting, too, because there are so many powerful enchantments in the set, and you'll find that you're taking them so early that other cards that would take that slot, you know, if you have 14, 15 creatures, and you can only yeah. have certain... They, you just don't play them as much. So even a card like Devil's Playground, which is six mana for four one one red devil creature tokens... Whoa, whoa, that card's awesome. It's awesome, but at the same time, at the six-drop slot, it's just sometimes it's like, well, I don't know if, I, if this is going to be enough to pull me into red when I'm drafting. I don't know. Devil's Playground seems pretty sweet to me. I, I've it's pretty good. I think it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, maybe I just haven't had good luck with it. <laughs> those those devil tokens are a pain in the butt. They are. I played against a deck uh, the other day, and the guy had three of the the uncommon versions. So the um, make, oh, the, make see, two I like of them. that one so much better. Dance with Devils because it's instant speed. Yeah, instant is relevant. Yeah, he did. There was just a couple points. I lo- I ended up losing the match and. It was both to like basically both times I was in a situation where no matter what I was going to die because mm-hmm. he had four of them and I can't not block them. But if I block him, he'll just ping me and kill me. And right. so I'm just dead to those no matter what happens. Like that's the worst feeling in the world. Dude. Like it doesn't matter what happens here. Yeah. The text that when they died, they do something is so relevant because it he, just makes it so hard to block them. They He had the uh, the what's the one mana, one black mana, one one life-linking vampire that if you sack a creature indulgent aristocrats yeah so that was just brutal he would like sack two guys kill one of my guys all his guys would get bigger it was awesome i wished i was playing that deck but i was playing my (laughs) crappy deck that is sad sorry about that josh (laughs) yeah sounds brutal (laughs) yeah my opponent played actually devil's playground against me in one of the pre-releases and i was like well i guess i'm not attacking anymore yeah (laughs) (laughs) i just couldn't get through it i'm like there's no profitable attacks i can make here that are like gonna get me out of this situation yeah there is a trick i learned it doesn't always work but if you attack with the creature and they double block you can choose triple block yeah. you can assign all the damage to just one of yeah, the devils one. and so a lot of times that will foil the, that plan of theirs where if you've got like a four if you've got like a four toughness creature and you attack and they have block with two devils you can actually assign all the damage to just one of them and then though they both they do two damage combined to your four toughness creature, and then only one of them dies, so they can only ping it for one more, mm-hmm. and that won't quite kill it. So, yeah. that's a nice little trick. Small, cute little interaction there. Pro tip, guys. Pro, Pro tip. tip. Anyone that's also listened to limited resources, I believe 
they talked about that card there as well or that interaction all right i like that you guys uh dissuaded people from playing second harvest unlimited that's funny (laughs) well you know we have guys don't do it don't do it it's not worth it guys please it's one of the interesting things about you know our show we normally talk about commander and the way that you think about cards in commander is so different than the way that you think it's it's almost as different as you can get mm-hmm. from the way that you think about cards in limited so you know there's probably people listening that don't draft a lot or don't draft at all or want to try it but haven't tried it um that's one of the things to keep in mind i guess we didn't gear this specifically up till now to like newer drafters and 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 newer limited players but if you're still listening that's something to think about is like limited decks are a lot more simple and they don't they don't dream as big as commander decks so i don't know you play shadows enough you can dream pretty big you can dream you can (laughs) call the bloodline is just a dream maker (laughs) you can you can dream big and and this set is is good for it but i think like in general limited decks have 15 to 16 creatures seven or eight uh Mm non-creatures you know they're not they're not gonna make like 50 tokens and then copy that with second harvest they're just not gonna do that right even yeah. if I have Call the Bloodline in my deck, I'm still probably not putting Second Harvest in there. Yeah, and no, Call the Bloodline. Still, just no. No one's like, man, I only have this Call of the Bloodline. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Certainly. Um, I mean, not to mention too. I mean, like I've heard people compare drafting and playing draft decks as like a garage brawl where you just grab like, oh, oh, oh yeah, check you're it, MacGyver. I, there's you're a like, rake. I'm going to yeah. use this rake and I'm going to attach it yeah. to this shovel and I have a rake shovel <laughs> attachment equipment. It's the best. Whereas, you know, and the guy's like, I can't beat that rake shovel. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, they got destroyed by a rake shovel last round. That was awful. Um, now, Frank, you've obviously drafted a lot and I think limited is definitely one of your specialties. You did awesome at your first pro tour. You did great at GB Albuquerque. Do you have any just sort of I guess, in all honesty, Fine. pro tips to anyone that's that's either finding that they may are not you know at the top of their game or want to get better or even just want to delve into it. You have to like there has to be a certain level of self awareness when you're drafting. Like a lot of people just pick cards they like, jam them together, play play those cards out, and if they lose, they don't really pick up any lessons. Like you have to be willing to learn mm-hmm. what is and isn't working. And I think if you want to take your game to the next level, you're going to do that. If there's some players who don't actually care about like winning their next draft they don't get upset when they lose they don't tilt you know they're just like eh, had some fun no big deal and those players don't necessarily care about that um but if you're definitely looking for like trying to do better in drafts or sealed events or what have you like look for those clues like look for the things you lost to look for the cards that helped you win um look for car- like you're there's definitely so many drafts i go into and i'm like i think this card's real good and then i'll notice you know five out of six games i'm there's never a great opportunity to cast it you know, and usually like the, the card is good in a vacuum, but in the context of the format, the card might not be as good. And you got to pick up on stuff like that, I think. That's a really good point. Yeah, especially in the context of the format, I think might be the biggest thing. And that's sort of one of those things. Have you found that the more you've drafted, the faster you're able to pick up on the contextual sort of clues of what the format's telling you? Oh, completely. Yeah, definitely. Like, and again, like limited, limited formats are always like, uh, a, like it's, there's definitely a, uh, what's it? Learning curve, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this limited format, just because I'm decent at limited doesn't mean I'm going to be great at this one to begin with. And I'm usually actually pretty bad at limited when a set first comes out. I think I could just pick it up quickly because I'm very aware of like the things you need to learn in a format or like what's good and what's not. Um, it's different because there's a lot of conventional wisdom, like magic wisdom, mm-hmm. that it doesn't apply to every limited format. It's like we were talking about earlier. You know, we're like Humble the Brute's an awesome card. It's literally a card like Smite the Monstrous that lets you draw. Mm-hmm. 
But if there's no creatures with three power or more in this format, like it's just going to be sitting in your hand. Mm-hmm. Four power, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's weird. Like it, it, limited formats are very contextual. Like it's it's very relevant. Like the uh, the context of the format is very relevant as as to what cards are good and, and what aren't. I think so. The sooner you pick that up, the, the better. I think. Well, and that's good news too because it means that if you step into a format for the first time with everybody else, you're closer to the same page. Like definitely people who have drafted a lot of different sets are going to have a little bit of an edge but at the same time they're going to have to learn to recontextualize yeah. at the same time as you're learning so you're not like the gap isn't as large maybe as it would be if all sets were sort of very similar yeah yes i i agree with that too and i think that's one of the things i love about limited is that they're all very very different like shadows of Innistrad, shadows over Innistrad drafts completely differently from regular Innistrad. you know yeah yeah, yeah i'd love to actually draft real Innistrad at some point well, dude we can do it anytime really I've got, I've got it. Yes. Yeah. The I packs would, are available. The, we, we have the packs. We have the technology. I would say we my. Can, we can do it. We can do it. We can. We can build it. We can build a better deck. Um, yeah. I'd say my one tip to people, and this is what I found from playing a lot in stores, is try to just ignore the hyperbole. Ignore when people say like, "I can't believe this is still in the pack," and exclaim something out because, especially in the the early moments of a draft format, like no one really knows if that should or shouldn't still be in the pack. And I don't think you should let that sway you the next time you see it being like, oh, well, someone else said this one time that they couldn't believe it was still in the pack and it's early. I have yes. to take this. And, yeah. Unless that person's LSV. <laughs> Who I don't think will be pulling a card out and being like, I can't believe this is still in the pack. <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen that happen at the Pro Tour? Because it happens all the time on the draft. It's the most annoying thing. They I don't, don't think they so. Don't, they don't talk at the Pro Tour because they're all pros. Yeah, <laughs> it just completes that. Yeah, this, yeah. Like, no one's gonna be like, I can't believe. Yeah, they actually encourage like it's it's you're not allowed to talk during drafting. Same thing with GPs right. uh, on day two because they're competitive like, competitive REL. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, so like it's a little more strict. There's one thing we didn't touch on. Uh, I, we sort of forgot about it, but this is a good as good a place as any. There's a uniqueness to this draft format. It's the dual face cards. And the necessity of sort of announcing when you when you take the dual face cards and letting the table sort of know that you're taking it, um, which is really to take away the advantage that people sitting close to you would otherwise have over the people sitting farther from you, I guess, mm-hmm. ostensibly anyway. Right. Um, what do you think that does? It feels like that changes the draft actually pretty remarkably because I've noticed a pretty big difference between when I'm drafting online and when I'm drafting in person. Um the werewolves deck, for example, feels a lot better on paper. Obviously, yeah, yeah. it feels because you know, like you know, if you're safe, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it, it feels well. It also feels like when I face it, it's just a better version in general. I know which person it is that has it. Obviously, um, yeah. What What do you think about that, Frank? Well, it's interesting because actually, one of the guys. So you know how the tables are eight eight player tables are divided, right? Mm-hmm. For like a draft, and the guy that was four seats down from me, so the, I was at one end, he was at the other end. When we flipped, he had Arlen Court at, the, at, at Grand Prix Albuquerque. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, all right. But he was like four seats down. So I was like, if, if everyone sees you have Arlen Court, no one's probably going to go into green red because you're a werewolf. Right. So I'm probably pretty okay down here to be werewolves. Right? It's actually It actually blocks for you too, right? Right. Because it you know people are like, oh, well, he's going to be the green red guy. So I'm not going to go near that. But Yeah. And you, have, you still have three packs between you and him that could completely change that, which is nice. Yes, exactly. Right, 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 right. And he's actually the guy, he's actually the player I beat in round three to win the draft. So I was like, got there. Was got he playing there. werewolves at the end of the day? Yes, he was. He was playing green, white. He was playing green, red. Okay, so record. in the finals of that draft at GP Albuquerque, both players were playing werewolves? 
Uh, in that draft, yes. That is crazy. So that that sort of cements the idea that what I a think time to be alive. That is the best <laughs> deck. Yeah, I mean, if two players could draft that deck and go to the finals, that that deck is clearly good. I think it's just way better in paper. I feel like online, um, there's probably more fighting. Obviously, we don't get to see it for those yeah. key cards, and that deck doesn't end up as strong because it hasn't been the linchpin that it was for us. Yeah. In paper. You just don't get to know. Yeah. yeah. You know? In fact, knowing is half the battle because knowing whether or not you should be taking a card. Yeah, I, I got there, guys. The uh, more you know. <laughs> just being able to see, like, okay, cool, this person's there, so I can safely draft this other color because yes. there it's not the combo that they want. Also, makes shadows drafts I think just operate a little more smoothly than they normally do. I found that in a new format or with a play group that doesn't, you don't really know very well what the general skill level is. You can things can derail really quickly with these synergy based drafts if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. Actually, there's like there's times where you draft a deck and you're like, well, I just have creatures and and like spells. They're all relatively good, but there's no like synergies it's not doing anything right mm-hmm. and that's definitely like a pitfall you can fall into yeah you got to have your deck and it has to have a plan that's what i really like about this format and formats like this which is that your deck comes with the plan too like i know in my clues investigate deck that i'm playing for the long game so all my cards are gonna be like get me to turn eight nine ten you yeah know? that's that's the goal of that but in my madness vampires deck it's the opposite all my cards are like hit them now <laughs> Hit them now, hit them hard, don't look back. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, we still have a little bit of discussion to go. Oh, right we got now. controversy. Yeah, controversy. Oh. Well, resolved controversy in a way. Yeah, it's the, the it's anticlimactic. At we have point. half the <laughs> amount of controversy that we had. It's still controversial. It's just not. This is good. It's we, controversial now because they did it to begin with, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you guys did not know, Wizards on the last day of the Pro Tour, uh, this, uh, I guess now two weeks ago, uh, decided to announce a, a essentially in a, a massive overhaul of the pay structure for platinum level pros and Hall of Famers and sort of how they were going to structure how they were giving money out before they would give a certain amount of money to pros to appear at events that were platinum level and then they cut it from I believe two thousand dollars to two hundred three thousand three thousand to two hundred and fifty dollars, which would be a huge difference for the number of players that are platinum and that after- was for the PTs. So there's four PTs right. a year. You use what twenty seven fifty uh twenty twenty seven hundred and fifty dollars per PT. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like eleven thousand dollars. It's eleven thousand dollars, yeah. It's not it's if not you, a small amount of money. It's not insignificant. And right. for the few pros that were also Hall of Fame or sorry, few platinum pros that were also Hall of Famers, they also lost the Hall of Fame money, which was I think I think it's fifteen hundred less per pro tour. For yeah. the Hall of Famers. So. And Wizards was going to funnel yes. that money into the World's Championship instead and make the prize payouts of that. Well, not all that money. Not all of it, yeah. But it was going to be more directed in that direction. And, of course, the entire community, which was very surprising, not just the pros, but a lot of the community members also got very, very passionate about sort of defending uh, the pros and defending the Platinum players and those that were trying to get to Platinum. And the hashtag pay the pros was started. And Wizards within two days posted that they were going yeah. to be keeping the platinum reward systems the same uh, throughout the 2016 to 17 season and would continue to talk to pro or would now talk more to pros to figure out what was the best course of action from here on out. They had some sort of wording where they said that they would in the future talk with the professional community before making these kinds of changes, I guess. Something. I don't know why they yeah, which did is, before, but that's that what I was going to say. I'm like, question, which right? is weird. Why didn't you do that first? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, I want to explain something because I know this is a confusing part about the change. 
it's just the way that the the points system, the platinum, gold, silver system works for pro players. There's a little bit of misconception about how that works. So you basically work for one season, get yourself into one of those tiers, platinum, gold, silver. And then during the following season is when you see the rewards for that. So if you reach platinum, then it's next year that you're receiving the the appearance fees and whatever for being a platinum player. So the problem with the timing that they had with this announcement was that we're 70% through this season. If you switch it at the end of the season, I just did 70% of a season's worth of work to get a reward that you're no longer offering. Mm -hmm. It's as if you went into a casino, put money down on the roulette wheel, your number hit, and then they refused to pay you. That's what it felt like to a lot of the pros. And that was actually what the pros were complaining about. It was not necessarily the restructuring of the prizes, Mm -hmm. which also I think they do not like, but they're willing to say, hey, listen, Wizards, it's your right to set the prize structures. You just can't advertise a prize structure and a way that it works and then switch it when I make the investment, you know, it's It's basically the equivalent of being like, hey, once I, like I made top eight at the Pro Tour, right? And once I made it to the top eight, they were like, oh, also prizes are now cut by 90%, just so you guys know. Yeah, all the time like what testing, traveling, all that. Yeah, I already committed to this entire weekend. I could have done something else. This is not what we agreed to, you know? Yeah, Yeah. certainly. When you heard that announcement, Frank, what, what did you think? Um... It's hard to say because I'm not platinum and I've never been platinum. I don't like wizards when they have policies like this that they changed uh, when they changed like on on a dime. You know, mm-hmm, like it's, mm-hmm. there was no planning. It, there was no like they couldn't have even waited till the end of the 27, uh, 2017 season, which mm-hmm. seems weird. Seems really so weird. It just seemed like a very impulsive decision. I don't know how much they actually thought about it. It's like they cast an instant on their main phase instead of waiting to the end step. I mean, yes. it's like, why, you know, why an now? Instant, right? And why are you playing this now? It helps no one. It actually actively damages your reputation in a really strong way. It really calls into question for me, and, and not just this, but this is sort of the latest in a long line of things that call into question the decision-making process they go through. Because right. I feel like there's been a number of instances in the last couple of years where they've made a decision and you know the community has reacted in such outrage that they've immediately re- reversed it like we didn't mention that they also got rid of the uh modern pro tour again mm-hmm. yes yes again now this is not getting a lot of play because of the the um the changes to the platinum and the and the pro club and all that but they did that once before yeah people complained so much and they they reversed it yeah, they brought it back because Modern is literally one of the most popular streaming Pro Tours. Like, people watch it like crazy. People mm-hmm. love watching Modern. Yeah. Um, but uh, but pros don't really like playing Modern for a Pro Tour. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind it. So I was going to say, Frank, <laughs> I think you like it. You're a Modern King, Frank. <laughs> it worked out for me. It worked so. out okay. But I also, I think I'm in a weird position where I play a lot more Modern than most people because I'm, like, I play, I do Modern Mondays every Monday on New Mod Gaming and, like, I'm basically playing modern a lot of the time on stream as well. So like there's, I feel like I definitely had modern's a, a format where like, if you're more familiar with a deck or, you know, the format or the metagame, you're definitely rewarded for that because mm-hmm. you know when to do things mm-hmm. or what cards you need to watch out for. And I think I definitely have a lot more experience in that area than other players might. So I don't really mind as much, but you can see how like the regular pro who plays in the pro tour doesn't have time to test modern when there's so many relevant, like limited or standard events. Right. 
I don't think that I think the only thing that matters to them and the reason that they've wanted to cut it and they're doing it again for the second time is just that it doesn't sell what they're trying to sell. Yeah. And as a company, you have, especially one that's owned by a much larger company as well, you have to address that above True. all other things. The crazy I mean, thing, the pro tour is their advertisement, right? You don't turn on the TV and see a commercial for Magic the Gathering, and you don't turn on the radio and hear a commercial for Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. and you right. don't see a bunch of advertisement for it. That the PT is how they advertise, and what are they advertising when they have Modern on the PT? That's right. I think, and I'm not saying that they're correct right. because I think they might be wrong. I agree, but it feels to them. I I, I can see that it's not selling any product that they're actually trying to sell. Like, right. It's selling secondary market. Well, it's, it's also, it's, it's selling modern masters once every two years. It's selling cards in a case at an LGS. It's not selling the booster boxes of the latest set that they just released. It's selling stuff that they right. sold years and ago. That's, yeah. So like they look at their numbers and they're like, Oh, this pro tour did a great job at selling X new set. This pro tour did a great job at selling Y this did a great job at selling Z. And then you get to the modern one and you're like, yep. Nothing sold. This yep. Pro Tour had know. 5,000 more viewers that equated and to nothing. Your local <laughs> gaming stores are like, we had a great week because everybody came in and they brought Snapcaster Mage and blah, blah, blah. But that none of that trickled over to... Um, yeah. It did. It just didn't trickle in the way that companies keep track of profits, not within that fiscal quarter. To be fair, this last Pro Tour might have sold a good deal of both of the game. <laughs> That's watch. a good point, yes, actually. that is actually a very, very good point. Um <laughs> Now, Frank, I need my Eldrazi Sky Spawners, quick. <laughs> yeah, give me that draft, draft, <laughs> draft chat. Um, <laughs> as a budding pro yourself, though, Frank, I mean, obviously you just uh, played into great success in your very first pro tour. I mean, obviously it is, has to be a teeny bit troubling, but I feel like you're someone with a very positive demeanor in general. How do you feel about sort of just the fact that controversy does often hit the pros and sort of the scene that you are entering yourself into? My biggest problem is that this year alone, like Wizards has had so many announcements that they either had to turn, like do an about face on, or they just didn't handle very well. You know, like the other one, like one of the other ones was like um, the Community Cup not having, being being selected. Right. There was like some other, there were so many the like judge. decisions that they don't. Oh, the whole the judge, judge one. Thing, yes, yeah. there's the whole there's a whole judge thing that's going on now. Well, it's still going, but like, also the thing where they suspended a bunch of judges for the leaks. Oh, and all that, that too. Yeah. Oh boy, like it's funny you said the judge thing. I thought of something different. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's enough that we can get confused. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like, there's just so many like their public relations, uh, face like the face of their public relations is just not where it should be. I feel like for a company that's that's this size. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's tr- that's the most troubling to me. Like because I I haven't always been a professional player. Uh, you know, quote unquote. Um, usually, I'm just like the the casual, friendly guy that plays fun, fun decks. You know, so like, and I, I'm always like sitting back and I see stuff like this, and I'm just like, why? I feel like there's got to be a better way to handle this, right? Right. Like, it's disheartening. It can be disheartening because like, people love Magic. Like Magic players love this game. You know, and the fact that like they they can feel. If if I was a platinum pro, I would feel so alienated from this company right now. I would feel like you would literally just you know stab me in the back you know for like a couple thousand dollars like Mm -hmm. yeah honor the agreement we had at least it's just a weird it's a weird feeling it's a very weird feeling especially for a company that makes a game that's all about min maxing and like finding the best optimal play it's so often that parts of this company seem to stumble over themselves in a weird way or just rush something out the door when they spend so much time preparing it in the first place right and it's like you look at all these other companies like Riot or like Blizzard and like you're not going to see them do this kind of stuff, I don't think, you know. 
like they're not going to cut the rug out from the players that actually make their game what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, like, it's just it's just a weird feeling. How does it make you feel going forward? You know, obviously it's been it's been rectified a little little bit. I mean, but looking into the future, I mean, it doesn't look super bright. I think we're all Well, it's funny cuz a couple of people actually posted on my Facebook wall and they were like, man, you look like a genius right now for not going after, for skipping this pro <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, well, I've never, I wasn't going for platinum because that's a little bit out of my reach right now, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, thankfully gold would have stayed the same. So I feel comfortable just going for gold, but Go you know, even, frame. even with the, even with the, the redact, the, the change they made, you know, the redaction, is that yeah. the word I'm looking for? Sure. Um, even with that, like you still don't know in two years what they're gonna do. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's just it makes you suspect of everything. And like I know there's trust that's been broken and they they want to I know they want to build it back up, but it's why did it even have to be broken to begin with? Like it was broken for two days too. They weren't even they didn't even have the conviction that decision wasn't made with enough conviction to even hold for more than forty eight hours. If if you're making a decision that you're willing right. to just change in forty eight hours, then why are you making that decision? I, I agree. You, they could have been like, no, listen, I know they're gonna, there's going to be outbreak, but we have to do this because it's important. Like, that wasn't the case, you know? Right. And, and it certainly the wasn't addressed that way either in the post. Yeah. And the other thing I'm thinking is that, like, okay, so this is just a not a great decision to begin with, sure. But they're, objectively speaking, you can see it different ways. Mm-hmm. The thing I can't see different ways is why you announce it on the eve of a, a movie that's been, like, three years in the works. Yep. Yeah. That is literally celebrating the pro player, pro, pro player lifestyle, right? Yep. Yeah. Like, that's uh, what makes me think that there's, like, something suspicious going on with, like, their PR department. Because this is just a bad decision all around. Like, the announcement time is terrible. The message itself was terrible. Also, on one of your most successful pro tours with one of the most diverse standard metagames, the, you know, the format that you really want to push for. With your the most. dream top eight with two Hall of Famers. Yes. And, or, sorry, exactly. three. Three, yeah. And, you know, some of the biggest names and john finkel lsv and your pro and your top eight you're going to overshadow it by like this announcement it's it's literally mind-boggling like it's just i can't i can't believe there wasn't one dude who was like this does not sound like a good idea yeah it makes it seem like it was it was something that was tossed down from another part of the company that had no yes bearing on what was happening in in the actual community and was like well uh we have set this for to be announced like four months ago so it's going to be announced today and that's it okay a lot of people are saying that because there's a lot of speculation about why it happened and like and i'm not saying it's not the case but it's still dysfunction at wizards if that's because i've been in big companies where yeah that doesn't make it better right right people fight they'll fight hard yeah. You know, yeah. the person getting told from on high that this needs to happen if they don't believe that it should happen. I've seen people fight and fight and fight and fight, you know, in big companies with their jobs on the line because that's and, and people at Wizards I know are super passionate about their game. Oh, absolutely. I so, mean, and, and they are very public facing personalities as well. I, I have to imagine that agreed. there must have been some kind of dissent. I mean, these I'm, decisions can't be made lightly, obviously. Yeah, it it it's seems... Yeah, that's the thing. This isn't this this couldn't have been a hasty decision they threw together over the weekend. Hey guys, what do you think of this? <laughs> All <laughs> I mean, right, cool. But it there's almost no other way you <laughs> can it. imagine it because if it's actually well thought out, it happens a couple of days after the pro tour at the least. I mean, there's about 17 yeah. points you can make about how yeah. even doing the same thing just in a slightly different way would have been a million times better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very hard to look at this from any objective position and be like, Oh, that part makes sense. I can see why they did that. You know? Yeah. And it's tough because it's I don't, like I can't do it. Yeah. Cause I obviously don't like, you know, we make a podcast for this game. We've done it for 105 episodes now. I don't like to down talk the company that makes 
this stuff. But, but sometimes when it happens, you just have to point it out. And like the, I mean, credit where credit's due, Wizards did redact it in 48 hours and Agreed. figure out a way to do it. But again, it's like, well, you already stepped in mud. There's still mud on your boots. There was a, I don't remember which pro, but one of the big pros said, I feel as if my friend stole my wallet. Oh yeah. And then got caught. And then gave it back to me. Yeah, like you still know your friend's a thief, right? Like yeah, it doesn't take it again. It doesn't make you like, hey, we're best friends again. Yeah, yeah, you know. Ah, yeah, it, that's a that's a really troublesome analogy. Actually, I like that. One might say that the real shadows over in the Strahd was this whole controversy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's the quote of the episode right there. You might say. You might this say this pro player announcement was the real shadow over in Estrada. <laughs> you might what say it was Emrakul, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Emrakul is not even worth close to eleven thousand dollars. <laughs> All right. Well, Let's Frank. Move. Yeah, we'll move on to the end step. But thank you for sharing your thoughts on the matter. Uh, I obviously highly respect um, your position as a uh, as a pro that has recently really come big onto the scene. Uh, and uh, you know, I was in a Facebook message cheering you on the entire last pro tour, so that was super exciting. Uh, yeah, well. we actually we have. Jimmy and I have a group chat with a bunch of our other friends and like uh, you guys were super supportive and it was like, it was a blast to like get done with every round and just see how you guys were like freaking super out supportive. And, yeah. Especially yeah, when you're like, on coverage so too. It was like an unbelievable feeling like to just have friends in your corner like that. It was so great. Thank you guys. So much. I, like, I appreciate it a lot. Certainly. All right. Well, let's move on to the end step where we're going to talk about something cool outside of the world of magic. Uh, Frank, actually, which is, yeah, which is funny because you and I actually just met by playing a match on magic online. Like, I was just like, how did we meet? Is that how you guys met? And yeah, you and I just, yeah, we just battled on Magic Online. And then we said hey to each other. And then we just followed each other on Twitter after that. Yeah, it was great. I lost. Uh, and now we're that, like pretty good friends. That was my <laughs> next question. Did you, who won? I did not win. I remember, <laughs> I remember playing and Bill was like, oh, this is Frank Lepore. I've seen you, I've seen you being retweeted. I've seen you on, on Twitter before. I'm like, okay, how's it going, man? And then you tweet at me. He's like, oh, we're playing. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're playing. <laughs> and that's that crazy, man. Magic's, Magic's a funny game. It is a funny game, indeed. It brings us all together. It does. All right, let's end step it. <laughs> let's end step it. Uh, Frank, do you have anything cool outside of the world of magic that you've enjoyed recently, seen, or read? Any, anything? Uh, actually, outside of the world of magic, uh, the other game I would be playing soon uh, is the Elder Scrolls Legends. It's a digital card game by Bethesda. I represented them at PAX, and I'll be doing a lot of the content for that game. So the open beta is... Or it's, it might be a closed beta, actually. But you can definitely sign up for the closed beta on like uh, Bethesda.net. Mm-hmm. So head over there and check that out. It's a uh, pretty sweet. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about the game? Uh, it's just it's a it's very similar. I don't want to say it's it's similar to Hearthstone. It's got a lot of Hearthstone like qualities. Uh, it's got a lot of magic like qualities. Um, it's very there's like two lanes. It's it's creature combat basically, and you can attack the player or you can attack the creatures. Mm-hmm. It's it's real sweet. There's drafting and um, constructed formats. So. I mean, it definitely has a lot of similarities to both games. It also has a lot of differences as well. So definitely check it out if you guys haven't seen it yet. It's it's real sweet. It's if you're, a, if you're a magic for a couple months now, if you're a magic player, will you have a natural leg up? Do you think against other players? Maybe. Mm, um, interesting. So like, there's a lot of different components. Like, there's two different lanes. So if you play a creature in the left lane, uh, creatures in the right lane can't interact with it, and if you know, vice versa. So if your if your opponent has like a seven seven in the right lane that you just can't deal with, he'll kill your guy as soon as you play yours. You can play your guys in the left lane and kind of avoid it. So it's it brings up a lot of interesting strategic choices. Cool, but it's not like uh, it's not like magic in that sense. So like, there's definitely different aspects of strategy that might that you might not be able to parallel with magic. So interesting. Oh, sounds cool. Elder Scrolls is that like Skyrim? 
Uh, it's 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 based in the Elder Scrolls universe, just uh-huh. the way like Hearthstone is based in the Warcraft universe. So it's usually like uh, similar it's called Elder characters Scrolls Legends. Sweet. Yeah. Yes, and there's definitely characters from like Skyrim and Oblivion in the game. And, and Morrowind. People, and like, that, yeah. During, yeah, and during PAX, we were like, hey, you guys might recognize this guy from uh, Skyrim, you know, like or Oblivion. Very so exciting. It's, it's real sweet. It, I like I like games that are seeped in like lore and they have a flavor and a story of their own. So I can be like, oh, I loved it when I cast this character that I played with years ago. You know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, that sounds sweet. Yeah. Well, any yeah. new game is always good for me because I love playing games in general. So legends.bethesda.net if you want to check that out, and you'll be writing articles yeah, and, and can... stuff for it. Yes, I'll be producing like video content and and, stra- and uh, text content. Ooh, so very cool. Well, maybe we'll meet again, Frank. On the Elder Scrolls, I, I have a world. feeling we might. <laughs> I'll just I'll just message our group chat and be like, "Jimmy, get online right now." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, see you there." <laughs> look, we met up again. We did it. <laughs> it does look cool. The left lane, right lane sounds cool. Yeah, I like that concept. It's, a yeah, lot. it's very it good. It has like a lot of the qualities of like successful card games, but it also just adds onto that some too. I think so. Always good. Sweet. Always good things. Sweet. All right, and I can play, and you can play it on your iPad. So, oh, I like that. Because oh, that like means that I can play it too. at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely sell, definitely from, a selling point. Yeah, unless somebody from work is listening, in which case I never do that. Never, ever. I would never do I would that. never do that. Um, Frank, where <laughs> can we find you online? I know there's a thousand places, and for you uh, that are listening at home, we'll have all of them in the show notes so that you can check it all Actually, out. Actually, uh, to make it easier, you can literally just go to franklapore.com now. What? I made a website. I am going to franklapore right now. com, And I host all of my content there. Individually, I'm on Channel Fireball, Newmont Gaming, and MTG Card Market. I have a podcast with Ali and Trazi. Um, What's the name of the podcast? More stuff I... Podcast is called Freshly Brewed. So Freshly if you guys brewed. are interested, you can check it out on iTunes or Stitcher. Very cool. We know a, a cool. bunch of people who listen to podcasts, or at least a podcast. So they might be interested <laughs> nice, in another nice. one. Yeah. Do your, does your audience like podcasts, do you think? <laughs> I believe they do. I believe so. I believe they do. How convenient. If they're still listening right now, they must love podcasts. The and sign hey, is good. <laughs> we're all EDH players, so we do enjoy brewing. So freshly brewed sounds awesome. I will drink a cup of coffee the next time I listen to it. And uh, nice. what's your, what's your like Twitter, it. Frank? At Frank Laporte. Everything is like, I just use my name for stuff just because it's easy. Yeah. Kind of like JF Wong, basically. Yeah, I use JF Wong for everything. Josh Lee Kwai. I don't yeah, think yep. there's many other Josh Lee Kwais out in the world. It's so it's just it's just more convenient. It's it's better for like branding, if you will, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, certainly. All right. Well, check it out, franklapore.com. Thank you, Frank, for being on the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been a blast. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Kind of fun. Maybe we'll just have to do one of these for each new set, and then we'll just bring Frank on. Oh, my God. And then we get to talk about that. draft would, like, I'm more so often. In. I would love that. I would love that so much. <laughs> let us let the listeners let us know if they want that. Oh, yeah. Please do. Uh, post in the comments uh, on or tweet at us or tweet at Frank. Do anything. Just let us know one way or the other. Play do anything. Just, just tweet at me. I'll make sure it gets back to you. <laughs> I like the do anything part. Just jump. Just run outside and yell it at the stars. Yeah. We'll hear anything. It. We'll know. We'll know. We Our will soul know. Will Howl it. at the moon for a shadows over Nostrad flavor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the Eldritch Moon. The Eldritch Moon. Yeah, exactly. Make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Uh, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman do a show about modern and all things competitive magic. They had a lot of talks about right now because the Modern Pro Tour was canceled. And also, GPLA, which is going to be modern, is coming up. And both those guys are going to be there. Jimmy and I will also be there frank lapore will be there be there sweet so jimmy i'm gonna i'm gonna house up with you baby yeah you are you're gonna crash my couch you're more than welcome oh, to. and then i'll pay you in 
duels. We are definitely. You're gonna, <laughs> what? No, he's How not. How many duels per night does it cost? No, it costs. I remember that conversation. Duels. I, I have to give. Conversation. I have to give Frank duels for being such a. <laughs> so asshole. guys, make sure that uh, you let Jimmy know that he shouldn't be charging me duels to 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 stay with him because we're friends. Yes, so absolutely. Make sure you tweet at Jimmy and let him know. <laughs> I just felt like it was very inhospitable because I thought we were buddies, and he's like, "Give me duels, or else you can't stay with me." So just let him know that it's not cool to do that. Yeah, Wait, probably, it... probably not cool at all. <laughs> Isn't uh, Melissa staying here at some point also? Yeah, Melissa's actually coming down uh, next week because she's going to be uh, filming some stuff in LA. So we're we're basically having er- everyone's coming through. Everyone's the whole get... family. It's just yeah, coming through. I'm going to be out of duels by the end of it. So well, all I know is I'm going to draft with both of them. <laughs> oh, Whatever yes. else happens, as far as the oh, amount yes, we of duels, yeah. As far as the amount of duels that take that change hands between you guys, I don't care. Yeah, drafting is happening. We're so. definitely drafting. I'm uh, so in. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson, and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations on our YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. Check out full videos of every single one of these podcasts. You can also follow Jeffrey on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. All right, everybody. Frank, thanks for being on. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for listening, too. Absolutely. And thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.